So we'll be going into a series um, on Jonah, and uh, just a, one more announcement you saw in the bulletin, but today we'll be having our final Korean worship service at 1130. Uh, it's been a three and a half year trek, and we feel that it's time where, you know, at least for this season, it is time to close it until maybe God has a timing that's a little bit later. And so today, uh, we are going to end with a celebration, and then after the Korean service, there'll be a uh, lunch. And for some of you who have been, I know our church, we've been supporting and praying the elders at the time from three years ago. They were so excited about it, and our church was thrilled about this, this birthing. And for various reasons, it didn't stick. And so for now, we're going to continue to thank God that in this transition, we pray that as a life group today will learn, from every death there is also a resurrection when it comes to God. So the timing will be his timing, but if any of you want to join us after life group or the Korean service, you're more than welcome to join us for that. So I personally learned a lot of Korean, <laughs> and um, I was joking with the Koreans that 10 years ago I said, I will never go back to a Korean church to do ministry. And when you ever say stuff like that, God has a funny sense of humor, and, he, and th this year he made me preach to a Korean service. And so that's the exciting part about God, and uh, we'll be wrapping it up with joy and gratitude to the Lord. So we're going to go into Jonah, and I received a gift from uh, one of our members, and the title of the book is called The Prodigal Prophet by Tim Keller. I strongly recommend to get the full study and insight of this book of Jonah. It is a fabulous book by Tim Keller. He preached it in New York City. Uh, the book's available at Amazon. A lot of it was helpful for me in preparing for this message. And so I wanted to give credit to where credit's due with the details and insight. So, going to jump right into it. And the first thought here today is that God always calls us, but we tend to disobey. God always calls us, and we tend to disobey. And the title of today's sermon is Jonah, a prophet just like us. Because when you look at the people of the old, you look at Jonah, you get encouraged that, oh, I'm not that crazy. So let me start with this first line. God's primary channel to bless the world is through you. God's primary way of reaching people is through people. And we are the ones that God calls to be a blessing in this world. So when God called Jonah to this difficult mission of going to Nineveh and preaching against their sin, and Jonah ran away, God's not going to just let him go and be ignored. God was going to go after him. And so Jonah's a prophet just like us because he's got the emotions, he's got the disobedience. He's got his own ideas. And we are good, just like Jonah, at running away from God's call. So here, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Let's read it together. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? He's not just running away from Nineveh. He's running away from the 
presence of the Lord. So, so this is Nineveh, and that's Joppa, and Jonah is like right around here in Israel. So he goes down to Joppa, and do you all know where Tarshish is? I mean, pictures speak louder than words. He is right there, but he hates Nineveh so much, he'd be willing to sail across the Mediterranean Sea to go to Tarshish. And so the first thought is, is this true? It's always easier to run away from a problem, from God, and from doing the right thing than to deal with it. It's always easier to run away from God and the right things that we're supposed to do. So, for example, it's always easier to run and walk away from a hard relationship than to work on a relationship. It's always easier to run away from living in obedience and faithfulness to God than to walk in righteousness and humility with God. And so, we have this human nature. We want God to change everybody else but us. And so, this cartoon... Uh, came in my box and it's small so I zoomed it up for you so here's three slides and it says who wants change everyone says yes we need change our church is dying oh we need young people boy we want change in our families we, we need change here because pastor we don't have a future this was literally this church 10 years ago and then the next slide who wants to change And there's one more. Who wants to lead the change? I'm going to say it again. It's always easier to run than to change yourself. And perhaps we run for relationships, not because we, it's, we're so hurt. It's because we don't want to put in the work of the hard, right way of living. So why, why did Jonah run away, though? Why did Jonah? Verse 2 tells us, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. It can be translated, for the evil has reached the heavens, and I see their wickedness. Jonah, go. And so Jonah immediately knew God was trying to send him to warn them, not to punish them. Nineveh was a key city of the Assyrian Empire. They were cruel and they had a reputation for brutality. They were the Assyrian Empire that was vastly growing at this time. And the way they took prisoners was they delighted, and this was one of the insights from Tim Keller, they would cut off the legs of their prisoners and one arm and leave them with one hand. So as they're dying, they could shake their hand mockingly in humiliation, looking at them die. They would also take families and make them parade around their town with decapitated heads of their family members. I mean, this was a vile, wicked, godless, pagan empire. And God is saying, Jonah, go to Nineveh and warn them this is egregious. And Jonah hated Nineveh. He despised Nineveh. And so in his mind, God, just blast them. Why are you sending me all the way there to preach to them? And so Jonah was so angry at God. He was so 
racist about Nineveh, he said, you do it on your own, God. I am not joining your plan. And he ran. So there's a lady named Anne Lamott, and she has this amazing, brilliant quote. You can safely assume, this is, by the way, let me preface this, all you Republicans, Democrats, you know, borderline racist, all the people who have some group of people we don't like, like, oh, I can't stand them. This is for us. And look what she says. Listen to what she says. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. God, I know you hate those drug dealers, and I know you hate my ex-husband. I know you hate my ex-wife. I know you, oh gosh, that neighbor, strike him down, Lord, because you know who's righteous. You can safely assume you've created God in your own image. Wow. So Jonah ran the other way to Tarshish. And so what we know about Jonah is that this is similar to us. God calls us, and we run away. So, for example, God calls the church to minister to the broken, to disciple the next generation, to evangelize the God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the churches are dying today because we have made church about us. We turn the other way, we've run from God's call, and we made the church about my friends, my comfort, my convenience, my preferences. God calls parents to teach children to walk with God according to his word. Have spirit-filled homes. This is my call to you. Mom and dads, walk in light and teach your children God and his ways. Deuteronomy 6. But we have made it easier to dismiss God, to make God a side luck charm, and we live by our own values in America. God calls us out of comfort. Every Christian I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. He calls us out to death, to die to yourself, to your conveniences, your comfort, your pleasures. Not taking away pleasures, but calls us out of death and live for Christ. But we run the opposite way when it gets inconvenient so we could have our own peace. And so we are all Jonas. We all run because the task of following God is much too hard, inconvenient. And so before we make fun of Jonah, we realize this is about us. And the problem of running away is this. When you run away from something, do you grow? You don't even need to be a Christian. When you run away from a job that you, you, you keep messing up instead of learning it, and you're like, well, I quit. Do you grow? When you run away from relationships instead of doing the hard work of saying, where am I wrong? How can we grow? What are we missing here? What, how can we develop our communication? Instead of that, you say, oh, you're, you're done. I'm, I'm going to just move on to new friends. Do we grow? This is the problem of the modern era. Christians should run from heresy and abuse. I'm going to say that. Christians should run from churches that preach heresy or they are abusive. Christians should never run because of insults, challenges to their positions, or preferences. And this is why we have like 500 denominations. <laughs> this is why we have, uh, hey, uh, this church bumped me out, so I'm going to go to this church. Well, that church didn't work. I'm going to go to this church. We never grow 
when we run. And so like Jonah, running away makes our life more complicated than less complicated. So here's the next part. But God, in his brilliance and wisdom, brings us back with strange methods. <laughs> Thankfully, God pursues us. Amen? Woo! We have a God that pursues us, even though we run away. Jonah 1 tells us that he is brought back to God using two strange methods. I never saw this. He uses two methods to bring back Jonah. It's a crazy storm, and he uses pagan, godless sailors to bring back a prophet back to course. Jonah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Let's read this together. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner depths of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Now, imagine going to a doctor, and the doctor is like an expert of whatever condition you have, and he goes, this is bad. I don't even know how to do this. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just going into a storm with seasoned professional sailors, and they're saying, we're scared. <laughs> That's the point. It was such a massive supernatural storm that professional sailors were so afraid. They said, whatever God you believe in, I don't care. All hands on deck, pray. And so we find out God sent the storm. This was not just coincidence. And where was Jonah? Did you catch that? What was Jonah doing? He was praying fervently to his God, singing psalms and hymns and saying, Lord God, you are the rescuer of my soul. Oh, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was not just sleeping. He was fast asleep. You know what? That's, so commentaries, they all disagree on this. this is, here's what I think. He, he, some people think he's like, oh, I have the peace of God in the storm. No, I wish that was the case. I think he said, whether I live or I die, I don't care. You're still not going to make me go to Nineveh. So he didn't care. And God used a storm to bring Jonah back. But he also uses sailors. Look at this. The pagan sailors in this story, in chapter 1, they are far, far more righteous and godly than the Jonah who knew the true and living God. Let me say that one more time. These pagan soldiers who did not know God, secular people, lived far more pious and responded with faith than Jonah. That's a testament that still happens today. We have people who don't go to church who live far more humble, righteous lives than people who go to church. And that's okay, but the church cannot act more self-righteous than the world. So we look at Jonah. He's running from God. And what are the sailors doing? They're praying, seeking God. Did you catch that? Jonah's like, God, I am not going to listen to you. What are the sailors doing? We need God. Who's the right God? Everyone. Which one God do you worship? They're praying. They're crying. These sailors, they feel
feared God. Did Jonah fear God? Did Jonah fear God? Not an iota. God, I don't care. You can't make me. Kill me. He says that again in chapter 4. Verse 10, these sailors, then the men were exceedingly afraid, so they keep getting more scared of the storm, and they said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Jonah told them, guys, I'm sorry, this is my fault. And they're going, how can you do that to God? This is bad. And so the sailors, not only did they freak out, I never caught this until the Tim Keller book, Insight. They had more compassion on Jonah, who was the cause of this storm, than Jonah had compassion for their innocent lives in the storm. The sailors tried to get the ship to shore as any way they can. And they were like, we can't throw you overboard. We're not going to kill you, Jonah. And it said they tried, but it was in vain. And finally, Jonah somehow sees their compassion for him. And in verse 12, he changes. He says, finally, pick me up, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. He finally has compassion for these sailors as much as they had compassion for him. And he's starting to realize something here. His heart's changing. God, I need to come back to you. Incredible that pagan sailors were the ones that start changing Jonah's heart. They throw him into the sea, and then verse 16 says, And the men feared God, the Lord, exceedingly. They were still even more afraid because the sea calmed down. And scholars say the pagan sailors, they all became converts and believed in the right God. How do you know? They were out of the storm and they're still worshiping God. Wow. The irony here is Jonah runs from a nation that needs to turn to God. He runs away and God still turns pagans back to him. God is still sovereign. And so when we run from God's call, here's what we take away. It's God's love for you and me and the world that he will discipline us, that he would inconvenience us, that he would make your plans be disrupted so you can come back to the will of God. Very fitting, Father's Day, because Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, For the Lord disciplines those he's annoyed with. No, you're supposed to all laugh at that, because that's not in the Bible. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son and daughter. Why? Whom he receives. So he loves us. So he disrupts your plan. He wakes you up with a, with a sickness or some tragedy. And he's saying, I'm not doing this to harm you. I'm doing this to bring you back. I'll use a storm to do it. I'll use even foreigners because I love you too much. And my purpose will be fulfilled. And so have you ever considered that out of love, God has placed difficult things in your life at this moment? to draw you closer to him, to make you realize, I can't do this anymore, God. I felt that this past month. I was looking at ministry and life, and I'm saying, I feel like I need to learn how to be a pastor all over again. I don't know what to do. I feel like as you get older, wiser, you learn more. 
And I had this attack and realization of, oh my goodness, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Bingo. And that is God's brilliance of saying, yes, Jason. <laughs> no, duh, in his holy way. For some of us, we have been running from God's call. And God doesn't bring hurts in your life to hurt you or punish you, but because he loves you and he wants you to bring you back on course. And so this story ends with this, verse 17. And this is a last verse of the chapter. And the Lord appointed a great fish, not a whale. Some of you who learned, Jonah got swallowed by a whale, a big, big fish. I think of a whale shark, I don't know to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, a lot of skeptics say, I don't believe in the Bible. Do you really believe a fish swallowed a man for three days, three nights? And, and I'm going to borrow Tim Keller's line, and he says, skeptics make a big deal about a man being swallowed by a fish, but if you could believe that God could resurrect the dead, how do you not believe that this is also possible? I go back further. I think it's Graham who said, just give me God created the heavens and the earth and I'll believe everything else the Bible says. If God could create the universe, there is no miracle too hard for him. But the other point that he makes is this, so interesting. The fish is not the high point of this story. It's a throwaway verse. The key point of this Jonah book is God's call, our response, Nineveh's repentance. The book is not about a whale or a fish. It's about God's faithfulness to people that run away. But the fish is symbolic. Oh, yes. Because you've seen it already. How many days? Three days, three nights. Boy, where, do we, where have we heard that before? If only there was something marvelous in the Bible that had three days later. And... It's funny, Jesus himself in Matthew 12, 40, look what he says to Pharisees. Let's read it just to ourselves. This runaway prophet goes to Nineveh. We'll see that later in the chapters of Jonah. Nineveh repents and their judgment is withheld. And Jesus is saying, if Jonah could do that, check this out. The last line, can we read it together? Something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus says, something greater than Jonah is here. This runaway prophet who was able to be used by God to bring Nineveh to repentance. If he could do that, I want you to all see something. There is a greater and more perfect Jonah that is here, and his name is Jesus Christ. The fish was God's grace for Jonah three days. Jesus in a tomb was God's grace for us, those who've been running away. Jonah ran from God. Jesus ran to the cross. Jonah was racist and despised Nineveh. Jesus loved his enemies and said, for they know not what they do. Jonah eventually preached to Nineveh. Jesus didn't just preach to us. He died for us. Jesus is the perfect grace of God.
that brings runaway people like you and me out of love back into his fold. And the church said, hallelujah, amen. And so Jonah, the prophet, just like us, rebellious like us, has hope because this three points is the gospel. God calls, but we ignore him, sin. God brings us back through unusual ways. Jesus goes to the cross and rises again. Third, God covers sinners with grace, and Jesus' blood covers us. And so Jonah is us. And so what that tells us in a practical sense is we can't run from God. We need to run to God no matter where you are in your life. God does not despise those who seek his face. We need storms and people to bring us back on track with God. So when I hear people say, they keep bothering me, they keep nagging me, we maybe we need to say, thank God for people who walk with me, hold me accountable. And that's why we need church. We need a church community that helps us walk in the will and the call of God. You can't do that listening to a podcast at home on Sundays. You need someone to say, Jason, I need to talk to you. How are you doing with God? How are you doing with the call? We miss you. How can I walk with you? So because we are all Jonas, we need the perfect Jonah. We need Christ and his church. I want to end with this quote, such an amazing quote from Rich Mullins. Who knows Rich Mullins? He's a singer. He sings the song, Our God, You Are My God, and I will ever end. So he says this, and I saw this on Facebook. I was like, perfect. And let me end with this. He says, I never understood why going to church made you a hypocrite. Because nobody goes to church because they're perfect. Amen. If you've got it all together, you don't need to go to church. You can go jogging with all the other perfect people on Sunday morning. Every time you go to church, you're confessing again to yourself, to your family, and to the people you pass on the way there, to the people you will greet there, that you don't have it all together and that you need their support. You need their direction. You need some accountability. You need help. This is why I need a church community. Not to hear a sermon, not to give my little token of worship, but because I am so far from being perfect on this side of heaven as I follow the call of God. We need each other. And we need the grace of God to wrap us together. And a church is a people of imperfect lives who humbly acknowledge we are imperfect so we could grow closer to become like Christ by his strength and power. We are Jonas. And so our only response is thank you, God, for your mercy for a Jonah like me. Let's pray. Lord, in all your ways, in all your brilliance. This is one of many reasons why we need a church community because it is harder to live this life without godly men and women who love you, who know your word, encouraging, coaxing, holding accountable, even criticizing so that we could walk back on track because if without them my will God is to just run away Lord thank
Thank you for the grace of the perfect Jonah, Jesus Christ, that not only saves us, but also continues to deliver us from our waywardness. And in this very room, I pray for our friends and family and just everyone here that we would seek your face and walk in your ways with your help. Because as the week approaches, we are tempted to drift away. May we be found in you, may we be found through you, and may we be strengthened by you. These things we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.